Okay, so all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. How many? Some or what? Okay, this is the promise. Come follow me. If we're honest with his life, he said this for a reason. We have a Western sort of luxury right now, and I don't know how for how much longer we get to have this luxury. Um, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. This is referring to the body of Christ. So look at what's directly preceding what they're going to be seducing you on. You'll suffer no persecution. It's interesting, eh? Why is that being linked to this? The good news was, we spoke about this last week, he has not destined us for wrath. So even though we experience persecution, the wrath of God finishes this thing off right at the end. And I tell you, nobody wants to be here for his wrath, right? Because the wrath of a creator that wears the heavens for a wristwatch is going to be pretty serious, isn't it? Now, the last three and a half years, the scriptures tell us that basically Lucifer and the fallen angels are cast down to the earth. And he is enraged because he knows his time is short. He's also been booted out of the heavens. Right now he can come and go. In fact, the accuser of the brethren is before the throne day and night, accusing who? Us. But there's coming a time when he is going to be pushed into the veil. And apparently he's upset. Now I can tell you this much. If the wrath of God was truly going on in that last three and a half years, and Satan's wrath showed up, you wouldn't even notice it. So why be warned about it? You see, if we understand the scripture, you would see this because you just learned to start asking the questions in a discipleship environment. I assure you, if the wrath of God is being poured on the earth, you wouldn't even notice Lucifer's. So we just have to understand what we're actually seeing in scripture. But we are promised there. So these are the fulfillment of the first fall feast, Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, and then Pentecost. And then we looked at last week, trumpets, which seems to be speaking about this event called the rapture. Some would like to tell you that this event is not real. The weight of scripture is overwhelming. The question is, when does it occur and why? Um, I think the why is the most beautiful thing that we can ever consider on this event. Because it's occurring because a groom is gathering what? His bride. We're always going on about the when, the how, the what, everything else. What about the why? The wrath of God, second coming. We looked at the Day of Atonement, this whole area here. If you understand this whole feast in its, in its entirety, you will start to see some things lining up to a great time of remorse and repentance occurring that we're supposed to be looking at every year. In fact, assessing our lives. The end of this is the Day of Atonement. The high priest comes into the temple and the door is shut. That's it. She's over. There's this five days of silence. Nobody really seems to know what it's about. No matter what the experts are, it doesn't matter whether they're Hebrew, Greek, Jamaican, whatever. It doesn't matter. Nobody seems to have this one sorted out. But I always see this sheep and goats judgment and no one seems to know where to place it. And I always get this thing in my head, you know, silence in the court. Um, I don't know. We really don't know what this is about, but there's a break in here and it just isn't in the first round. 
we looked at the Feast of Tabernacles. This was a celebration that's pointing to what? The wedding. And we talked about a number of people, and this has been exciting, um, who wanted to go and perhaps camp for a night or two during the Feast of Trumpets to actually come together as a body and actually celebrate what he's asked us to. And to actually look at this event coming called the wedding. Now that's pretty cool. And do you remember, I'm not sure if you remember, but I was saying that if, if so-called almost two billion professing Christians actually celebrated tabernacles every year, what would you see in all the retail and commercial outlets across the world? Because you know what? Almost two billion people having to go camping together for a week, what would that do? You know how many supplies that is? You would see in every store, in every country, tabernacle sales. And guess what? There isn't different versions of that. Oh, this is what Christmas means to me. Oh, and this is what, oh, let's take the Christ out of Christmas. Or do We have all these kind of things going on with these ones. But guess what when it comes to tabernacles? There's only one thing you can tell people. This is the wedding celebration of our Savior. <laughs> I mean, that's neat. Now, if you had almost two billion of us doing that every year, do you think the world would get the message? See, do we really think his model's broken? Because it's not. We just kind of want to do it our own way. We think having bride conferences is a better way to go about it instead of actually living the way he asked us to. I'm not trying to put some guilt thing. If you don't want to do it, you do want to do it. All I know is I'm excited because there's a large number of people here saying, actually, I want to do it. I want to go and spend a couple of nights camping with the body and actually talk about the wedding that I want to be a part of. Who wants to be here a part of the wedding of Messiah? Okay? That's cool. And he's saying, I've given you something to look forward to and to celebrate that very event. And it ends with the last great day in the thousand-year reign, which we're going to look at next week. Okay. So now we're going to rock it. Everybody got the seatbelts? Here we go. But if I'd known the good man of the house had known in what the thief would come, he would have what? Watched. And would not have suffered his house to be broken up. So we got a thief and we've got an instruction to watch. That's interesting. Matthew's mentioning this. And then we see later on something happening in Thessalonians. We're going to watch this script uh, one after another. But of the times and the appointed times, brethren, I have no need to write unto you. Why did he have no need to write unto them about the appointed times? That's all they'd known their whole life. He's going, I'm going to speak to you in this language. You've known it your whole life. It would be just like me saying to you, as of, you know, Easter or Christmas or whatever it is we celebrate, I would be saying, I have no need to write to you. Do I have to explain anybody here what Christmas is? But he's talking about the appointed times of the Father. Now let's just see what's going on here. Ooh, there's that word thief. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. Apparently there seems to be a little bit of a disconnect. You mean I'm supposed to watch, but I'm a thief. And our Western mindset's going crazy right about now. Look at this. No one wants to talk about this. But you, brethren, are what? Not in darkness. That this day should overtake who? You as a thief. What are these things pointing to that you can be aware of? And I'm telling you, there is something robbing you from this. And the greatest words of comfort you could ever have if our world plunges into a serious place 
is the absolute confidence and assurance of not only what's going on, but when he's coming. It will be. In fact, the scripture goes on to tell us, comfort one another with these words. Well, I'd say that to you that if we get plunged into a very serious time called the Great Tribulation, do you think you would find it comforting to know that there's a promise from your groom? It would also be sobering. You know you're about to stand in front of him. You're not going to be worried about Lucifer at that point. I can tell you, once I got over the shock of such a thing, if I live such an event, I'm not going to be sitting there worrying about what the devil's going to do to me. Because I'm going to know in a very short period of time, I'm going to be standing in front of the King of Kings. That's going to be a little bit more sobering. What? Don't fear the one who can destroy the body, but fear the one who can destroy the body and the... Yeah. Let us watch and be sober. So we've got instructions to watch and be sober. So people go, well, why would we look at these things? Well, there's a reason. But we have to look at this, and this is the, this is the side of this is the one session where I have to honor the king. And the king and my groom has said, there's some things for you I want you to know, bride. And there's a reason for it. And so I'm reading this love letter. This beautiful thing we call the Bible from beginning to end, this marriage covenant. And right at the end of it, there's this whole revelation of who my groom actually is. And he's saying, Curtis, I want you to know some stuff in here. Here's our choice. Do you want to know some of the stuff that's in there or do you want to ignore it? This is from your groom to you. He wasn't being silly. Guess what? He put it in Scripture because we were meant to what? Avoid it? Wouldn't that be strange? Oh, I wrote to you, but I didn't want you to read it. These are what I call the end time bad guys. There's something called the beast kingdom, the woman who rides that beast, the mark of the beast, the false prophet, and the false messiah. By the way, our whole view, when we think antichrist, right, what do we think? Something that is the opposite of, right? So this is going to be some bad guy with horns, blowing fire, wearing red pajamas or something. But actually... If we know what it's actually saying, especially in the original language, in the Greek, what's it actually mean? False Christ, yeah, Messiah, Christ-like. You mean an impersonator of the Messiah? Wow. So we're just, for today, we can only touch quickly on these two. Believe me, that'll be disturbing enough. We're going to skip the stone across the waters here. I could spend right now, honestly, what I'm about to show you, we could we could spend on each part of this a couple of hours. I am so sorry. I cannot do justice to this. I'm going to do the best that I can. Please roll with me. If, if, if some of you are going to get really agitated as you see some of the stuff inside, just keep going, okay? Um, I'm going to do the very best I can. Do not... Fall in or be trapped by anything that would make you feel afraid. You do not need to be in fear. Perfect love will cast out all fear. But if we avoid these things, we're actually avoiding something our groom has instructed us to look at. So I have the unfortunate task of going, let's look at it together, family. And please don't shoot me while you do, but I believe that... I believe he's asked us to. Because he wouldn't have written it. Right about this time, people want to know these things. Mark of the beast. 
We're not going to talk about the mark of the beast today, although it's a subject matter worth looking at. But just real quickly, there's three views on this. There's a biometric, the implant, tat, implant a tattoo of some sort. Everybody hear that sort of thing? Technology skyrocketing right now across the world. There is some reality to looking at this. We're in an interesting time right now in the biometric front. The other view is the Islamic Bismillah. This is the symbol of allegiance. Does anybody know what that is? This is the what they wear on the wrist and the headbands, and it's... Anybody know? No? no? It's all about glorifying Allah. Yeah. Okay? So, it's this allegiance to Allah. Very militant. Here's the key in that one. You see here, there's a symbol here. This was what was written in the original papyrus. Oops, let me get back to that. This is what was written in the original papyrus. And um, some actually say that this might not be 666. And that, in fact, actually John in Revelation was actually writing what he saw. And he actually really didn't know what this is because Islam is only 1,400 years old. He didn't know what it was yet. Is that possible? Yeah, it's a study worth looking at. Is this part potentially where the beast kingdom will come from? Um, and then the last one is changing the Sabbath day into Sunday. And there's a vast portion of the church that believes that this is marking those who are worshiping something that they shouldn't be. And unfortunately, I've got the Pope here with his Dagon hat. Um, by the way, if you want to know why they wear the pointy hats, it is actually off the Babylonian god Dagon, and it's representing the fish head. So it's, it's a little disturbing. Now, as I talk about this in all of these factions, okay, whether we're sitting here over in this, this sort of camp, the Islamic camp, uh, the Christian camp, or the Catholic, uh, that's come through Catholicism, I want you to know this. We're, we're going to look at some stuff going on in Judaism, some stuff going in Islam, and some stuff going on through Christianity. Now, I have to go through the Catholic channel in order to look at this for what it is, because it is the modern representation of it. But I assure you, what's got its tentacles is in all three. It's called Mystery Babylon. And so we can sit there and just go on some sort of a witch hunt on the Catholics, but that's not what this is about, because <laughs> we're talking about the systems governing, not the people, okay? So we're not going to go after attacking Muslims. We're not going to go after attacking the true Jewish people. We're not going to go after attacking the Catholic person that is seeking the Lord, okay? But if I told you what was at the head of every one of these systems, from Judaism through to Islam to, through to Catholicism, if I told you what was there, it was the same evil called Mystery Babylon working in all three. Who's the god of this world? Yes. Oh, but he's not in their camp. Why isn't there good guys and bad guys on the news? What if I told you he had his foot in every camp, politically and religiously, on the world, on the earth today? There is no good guys and bad guys here. Do you know what we've got scattered in amongst all of this? We've got true believers and the body of Christ. And we can truly represent the only true hope that there is in a world right now that is being plunged and heading towards chaos. That's being orchestrated by the God of this world. And guess what our King and Savior has right now planted all over the world? You. As a vessel to stand in spirit and truth. We are that hope. We are that light. 
And we are to be that light in whatever camp we want to look at. But we have these teachings that want to demonize every one of these camps. And then I come along and go, well, guess what? The devil's in the detail in all of them. Isn't that nice? So imagine how popular that is. Because when you take a side at least, then you can at least find some people to run with you. Uh, so we're going to look, uh, when we look at the great delusion, okay, do you notice how I've got all the camps in here? And people get offended by this. Well, what's that doing in there? Because he's working all of it. Okay. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they believe what is false in order that they all may be condemned, uh, condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. The, um, the, the translation there in the Greek actually uh, points you back, had pleasure in lawlessness, actually. Um, okay. Offensive, the whore of Babylon. This is not my language. Guess who calls it the whore of Babylon? God does. So we can sanitize this or we can understand that we are looking at something that he's describing is a woman that is going to seduce my bride. We've got three things going on here. We've got a groom and a bride, and then we've got this woman that's coming in that's trying to seduce us. That is his language. Do you want to choose to water this down? Take it up with God. Read your scripture and see what's actually in it. Why would he talk about it this way? And this is what we're going to look at. She's writing this beast here. Babylon has its origins found in Nimrod and Semiramis, the origins of what we'd call modern-day Babylonian worship. So this goes right back to Nimrod. Uh, Semiramis, with her, with their baby um, son, Tumas, she has a prostitution background, if you understand the history on this. They were visited by the sex goddess Ishtar, who came in an egg-shaped sphere, which visited them from the sky. His favorite animal, by the way, was a rabbit. <laughs> now, this came right through and became a practice that actually led ultimately to child sacrifice. And they'd be painting in honor of Ishtar the eggs with the blood of the sacrifices. It's disturbing, isn't it? You see, the origins of these things, he just wants us to understand. Why? Because there is actually something behind this stuff. We don't have to focus on it, but it's real. Because he's warning that it's going to keep going through. We're going to jump now to a modern day representation of it. And he carried me away in the spirit in the wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names and had on it seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and in scarlet and adorned with gold, jewels and pearls. Holding in her hand a cup full of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. This is spiritual, by the way. This is the description of her sitting on something. I didn't write that. It is what it is. Is there a modern representation of it? By the way, a lot of, a lot of what I just wrote you can flow through all of these channels. Okay? It's going to shock you to know if you look at Islam, Judaism, and what we call modern day or Christianity through the Catholic root, they all share some interesting descriptions which match that. All on her forehead was written the name of Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of 
prostitutes, harlots. So she's giving birth to things. Now here we are, 30,000 plus denominations later, interesting. And of the earth's abomination, I saw a woman drunk with the blood of the saints, blood of the martyrs in Jesus. And when I saw her, he did what? This is John. He's marveling. Could you imagine 2,000 years ago seeing something I'm about to show you? I am not attacking the Catholic person, what I'm about to show you. It just is. Our origins and something that capped and infiltrated and introduced certain practices to the early Christian church is what we know of today as Catholicism. That does not make the average Catholic that's walking around today some evil person, okay? We are talking about a system. And I could do this to Islam and I could do it with Judaism. So let's just be careful about this. However, to put it in visual terms, what do you see? It is a sea of scarlet and purple. It is a sea of gold and pearls. It is what it is. I told you that we were going to look at some difficult stuff today. Let's separate the system from the people, please. Some more images. In her hand is a cup. It's full of some interesting stuff. There's the Vatican. In there is an obelisk. It's an ancient Egyptian obelisk. By the way, the shadow on that makes a sundial. In the ancient practices of sun worship. That's a new temple. It's just been built in Poland. There's the eye and the pyramid in it. And there's the, there's the Pope sitting behind one of the ceremonial chairs. By the way, that cross is upside down. I'm going to get past that. I don't want people to be too focused on that. It would shock you to know what else I could do with the other major religions of the world, okay? Does that disturb anybody, what you just saw? It's shocking, isn't it? When you look at the actual Word of God. So we've got to be careful here. Is what God paid for, the price he paid for, what is the enemy? Or is he warning us of something that's got bondage over it? Let's be careful that we give a distinction between those two. I might be anti-mystery Babylon, but I am not anti the average Catholic. You got it? Let's not become these kind of people. But we do have to be honest with what we're seeing right now. This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads and the seven mountains which the woman seated. I'm just going to make a point here real quickly on this. Okay, Rome is known as the seven hills of Rome. It's famous for it. There's no way around that. I'm going to tell you, show you something else. So is Mecca. Show you something else. So is Jerusalem. that sobering? Let's just be careful what we're saying. Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Anybody familiar with Nebuchadnezzar's dream, Daniel? Okay, let's keep going. So this was the start of the Babylonian Empire for which uh, Daniel was um, sent uh, to advise the king. And in this particular case, if he didn't get the interpretation of the dream right, what was going to happen to Daniel? Gone. Sure better being a prophet nowadays. He was given this dream and interpreted the dream. Now, this the accuracy of this interpretation was so great, there are scholars, secular scholars today, that absolutely argue that it must have been written literally before the Roman Empire had just come into being. So, in other words, it was being written right at the time of the Roman Empire. Was going. That's how accurate it was. Can you predict human history to this level? 
Yet scripture is doing that. Do you know what's interesting? We have found certain things that absolutely categorically prove that what Daniel was looking at in our archaeological finds. So what's going on here? But then we see an interesting thing going here in the Roman Empire. Now, there's two legs going on. Does everybody know that there was two legs to Rome? There was an eastern and a western leg. So we love picking on just the western leg, right? The, the Roman Empire, the Catholic sort of scene. But what was the other leg? Islam. Does anybody know that Islam is the youngest kid on the block, 1,400 years old? She was given birth through what we come to know as Prophet Muhammad. He was not actually literate, but he married an older lady called Kajina. And she, she was a part of the Catholic system. He actually spent time constructing what you've come to know as Islam was given birth from Catholicism. Most people do not know that. And if you go and do your history on this, it even gets even more interesting because even the, the symbols that were adopted, they, they do admit in the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they're calling him Allah. They took all the Babylonian gods. He wrapped them all into the lunar god, which is where we get Allah from. Okay, there was lots of gods going on. So he made a monotheistic sort of scenario going on at the time from the many Babylonian choices. Okay, the Catholics already had the sun element of it. So we got this. Judaism is but both a solar and a lunar. So we got the solar lunar and then we've got just a sun waiting and we got a moon waiting. Here's what's fascinating with this. This leg here actually for a while out survived that. But this statue is quite clear. No legs go missing. Why do we try to disclude right now on the face of the earth? Do you know those two legs exist and have influence right now in the world in a major, major way? But in the last days, there's going to be something going on with these ten toes, these feet. So they're both going to come into this feet. Now, in Islam, you're going to notice some things. If you look at, let's say, a Catholic nun and what the Islamic woman is told to wear from behind, do you know you won't be able to understand the difference almost? The prayer beads. There are similar things that you're going to see. Do you know throughout the Middle East you will find a mosque and a Roman Catholic sanctioned building side by side all over the Middle East? What's going on here? What is this beast system in the last days? What does it have control of? So let's just be careful if we want to start picking sides and not look at what God asked us to, and that was what was infecting both of them. And that includes Judaism. Okay, so we get to these iron and clay. Now, this is where it gets kind of interesting. And where you saw the iron mixed with the miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave to one another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. This is the feet of what Daniel saw. Who's the they? They're not mixing with the seed of men. Is it possible what we're heading for could be so strange to our modern contemporary thinking that if we actually did our homework back in Genesis and understood even why the world was flooded... That it's actually not that strange at all, but we've been thrusted into a contemporary understanding, especially in the last couple hundred years. But it's very young. 
There was an understanding throughout the body of why the world was flooded. Does anybody know why the world was truly flooded? This is the creator wiping out his creation. And it wasn't because there was some monkey business going on in a bedroom and shouldn't have been. Or somebody was drinking too much. He's a lot bigger than that. What was actually happening? The building blocks of life, if we're honest with what Genesis 6 talks about, was being played with. In other words, mankind was playing what? God. Whoa. And there's something that's just giving us a little hint at the same time. Now, Yeshua said, for as the days of Noah, so will what? Okay, so what was happening in the days of Noah? We need to understand that and you'll get a hint at what he was talking about. Are you willing to look? Shall I keep going? Yeah. All right. There were Nephilim on the earth in those days and also afterward. When the sons of God came into the daughters of men and bore children to them, they were the mighty men of old, the men of renown. You would know them in the Bible as giants. Was Goliath really a giant? Yes. In fact, it says the Nephilim were in before and after the flood. So they got back in there. This was the result of fallen angels playing with something. Now, there is a, a seminary teaching that tries to get you to understand or look at something through the lines of Seth. No, these aren't the monsters that would come from human breeding. And you need to do your homework on that because the lines of Seth is just fall short in so many fronts. We don't have time to look at that. But the plain reading doesn't. We have got evidence of giants found almost in every corner of the world. Did you know that? Of creatures that are anywhere from 7 up to 15 feet tall that we have found. Why aren't we talking about this on Discovery Channel? I mean, it would be interesting at the very least, wouldn't it? So why is it that we're not even willing or given the option to look at these things? Yet the Bible is clearly saying that the result of this monkey business between fallen angels and human women produced something called the Nephilim. And they literally caused a bit of havoc on the earth. And in fact, you'll see in the Old Testament now where God's even asking certain um, cultures to be wiped out right down to the last child. And people think, oh, this has got to be a schizophrenic God. How could he be like this? But if you actually knew what was happening, there was a contamination in the gene pool. And if you knew that the rest of your family could be under threat because of one other part of your family was all infected, what would you do? Well, you can all die. Or would you save what you could? He did it. It's called the Great Flood. And afterwards, he gave certain instructions. So what was David facing when he was facing Goliath? And Goliath's four sons. By the way, they weren't brothers. They were sons. What was happening there? So let's just be honest with what we're seeing in Scripture because it's going to give us a little bit of insight as to some interesting things coming because Yeshua himself is going just as in the days of Noah. What does that mean? So the deception that is coming is so good that it could even deceive his elect. Put bride there. Something is coming that is so good it could even deceive us. Not the average person walking around downtown Wellington that could care less who their Savior is. Never mind even reading out the scripture. Guess who this could be for? It's us. 
Now, I'm going to show you some things of how serious this can get because you ask yourself, what could deceive you? And what is so good, so strong in the Creator's mind that could actually get you to accept a false Messiah? Because that's what Scripture is warning you about. Not an evil politician. Because I can assure you, an evil politician. Anybody here willing to kneel down to Obama right now? Would it fool you in any way, shape, or form? How about some of the Islamic leaders? You see, think about what it's actually saying. You don't even have to know an ounce of Scripture, and you probably still wouldn't be doing that. What is this strong delusion that could even fool us? That's the point that's being made here. Not Rome, us. For there will be false Christs and false prophets shall rise and show what? Signs as wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. There we go again. <sighs> to manufacture the ultimate conflict for change. It's called the Agilian dialectic. If I want to introduce a hero or a solution, what do I first want to do? Create a conflict. Right? If I, if I'm an arsonist and I want to be a hero, well all I gotta do is light the house on fire, not get caught, wait for a little while, go running in, make sure the TV cameras are rolling, and main, next thing you know, I'm getting a medal from the mayor. No one asked the question who started the house on fire in the first place. This is called the Agilian dialectic. It's evil. It's a principle that works, and it's being used by the wrong people for the wrong reasons. Okay? It's demonic. But this is being manufactured on a global scale. Remember what we're dealing with is the God of this world. He's going to weave a chaos that's going to ultimately create such a conflict that he can introduce something. Is everybody following? Okay. Poor Pope. Pick on him again here. But he just said this only very just less than a month ago. The Pope has said that he would baptize a Martian, but would they want our religions? Pope Francis had speculated as to what would happen if an expedition of aliens wanted to convert Christianity, but they were probably closer to God than we are anyway. This is now coming out. Some faiths are already fairly relaxed about the notions of parallel worlds and the alternative realities, which could include aliens. Do aliens believe in God? Did aliens create God? Did God create aliens? Is God, in fact, an alien? <sighs> okay, and this was the picture that came with the article. Um, this was run in many papers. I just took some clips, uh, the clip out of The Guardian and The Independent. Okay, do you know that in 2010, the Vatican built something, an infrared telescope. Do you know what the telescope is called? It's called Lucifer. And it's focused on the skies right now. This is real. It's not a joke. What's going on here? We're going to baptize aliens, no problem. Is God an alien? I mean, this is coming from something that supposedly is standing for what? The foundations of what? Our faith. Does anybody here think your groom's an alien? I don't. But if something could come that could try and take over all face, this is going to get real good. Are you still following? You still interested? Okay. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs. Not frogs, like frogs. 
He is seeing, John on the island of Patmos is seeing visions, and he's being asked to write them down. And out of his mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, and the spirits of devils working miracles go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to battle against the great day of God Almighty. So spirits like frogs, I'm just going to do this to prove a point because it's becoming very popular in what we think of as aliens. These little guys. We're getting famous with these little gray characters. You know when you think of aliens? I tell you what, if I'd saw that 2,000 years ago, maybe not a bad description. I saw these three things that look like frogs. I'm going to show you this. UFO sighting, convincibility over time. This is what's happened, okay, since about 1990. Okay? Do you see that the quacks used to be down here, didn't they? And I want to say something. Within less than a human modern generation, do you know that if you believed in alien life, you were considered a crackpot? And only in the last 30 years, do you know that if you don't consider the reality of alien life, you are considered narrow-minded and not tolerant? How'd that happen? In less than 30 years. Is that sobering? You mean we've gone from being able to be critically thinking something to all of a sudden you're an idiot if you don't believe out in this heaven somewhere that there's alien life. And aliens evolved. Here's what is interesting. These are just the sightings now that are happening and they're just spiking and spiking and spiking every year that we go. Last year alone, 7,500 sightings globally. We used to hunt for 10 only 30, 40 years ago. What is happening? Is this all a bunch of liars? And this is just the ones getting reported. There's one thing for sure. This whole alien consciousness and the sightings that go with them is being pushed from media to Hollywood to whatever. Okay, so this consciousness. So you now are a simple, narrow-minded Christian if you don't believe in alien life. Do you know that's the box you're being put in? Because you can no longer think for yourself. Can we run a video? Turn the light down. This happened in early Jerusalem, over Jerusalem, over the Temple Mount in 2011. It's just about a minute and a half. This was captured by three different groups, three different camera shots, none related. Yo! 
Мазда, айта? Ёбаный в рот. Айта, айта? Три шама. Okay, we'll stop it there. There's some flickering red lights going on. Did anybody see that on the news? Why not? They came over the Temple Mount, captured by three different groups. If you've ever been to Jerusalem, I have. In fact, one of those of you is I actually stood there. Look, it's near the King David Hotel. But you have people from all over the world there all the time. This one was interesting. You can do a lot of things, but you can't coordinate the home video footage and things that were going on to be in such sequence at such a time. Something interesting was filmed. Why? If that is a government hoax, why are you doing it? Because you want people to believe in aliens? If it's not a government hoax and it's demonic, why are they doing it? There's your choices. Because somebody did that. And was seen by thousands of people over the most holy place, at least to the three major religions on the earth today. Okay. This is the last run for this morning. There was a war in heaven, and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought his angels, and they what? Prevailed not. Neither was a place found for them any more in heaven. Guess what's happening? He's getting the boot. That's it. I'm done with the accuser of the brethren. Wham. And he's being put into our time continuum. He's being put behind the veil. We've been behind the veil. He's being thrusted into our dimensions. And the great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent called the devil and the Satan, the deceiver of what? The whole world. And he was thrown down to earth and his angels were thrown down with him. Now, if there was an event where Lucifer and his angels were going to get thrust into the time domain, a time domain that, by the way, arguably will no longer or will put them facing a mortal state. In fact, it's interesting, by the time this is all over, apparently, whatever the anti-Messiah is doing, he actually fears something that's going on with the kings of the East. Why do you fear for your life if you're even, if you have an immortal state? But he's pushed into this time domain. Now this is interesting. A lot of, um, the rapture theories will talk about the UFO phenomenon as well. And what they'll say was, is what a wonderful excuse for the rapture to explain the rapture to those that are left, right? Because you've got to come up with an excuse if a whole millions of people went missing at once, right? Well, here's what's interesting. Remember I said if you want to spot the truth, turn whatever you're being taught, turn it right back up. What if the whole UFO scenario was conditioning for an event he knows coming? He's about to get kicked out of his father's house. And you better explain what just happened. You see, there is something very, very interesting going on. Because if you don't provide an explanation leading up to this event, everybody on the face of the earth is going to believe in who? Is it possible that we are being primed for the arrival of something that is actually getting the boot from the heavens? I'm just going to raise that with you for to contend with and to think about. What is the temple? 
This is interesting. So the abomination of desolation, this is the event that's going to mark. So there's something that's going to go down. And this is going to start the starting gun of something called the Great Tribulation. It was spoken about by the prophet Daniel. And the desolation spoken about is standing in the holy place. Let the reader understand. This is in Matthew. He opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, that is worshipped, so that he himself sets in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Whoa. You mean I'm in Judaism, Islam, Christianity, atheist, and something's going to have the nerve to put itself above all gods and be worshipped. How do you achieve this? Can you achieve it with any single one of the religions on the face of the earth today and expect the rest of the world to fall suit? How can you fool everyone? When talking about the temple in the scripture, you just said the word naos, I'm going to point this out as the Greek, specifically means sanctuary or holy of holies. The word heron in the Greek specially means the entire and whole temple. Guess what? In our English translations, every time you see these two words, 44 times translated the New Testament alone on naos and 70, 71 times haram. Do you know? <laughs> that that is translated as temple in each and every case. How do you know which one? Because guess what? They mean two totally specifically different things. The scriptures I just gave you regarding the abomination of desolation are this one. It specifically is referring to the Holy of Holies. Not a temple. Now, please tell me why the disciples and Paul himself could not have used when they've been using them in the New Testament, many times to specifically address certain things, would all of a sudden not use this one here. Why did they use this word? I'm going to challenge you on something. This is one of those times we're just looking a little bit deeper, I was saying, because of the challenges we have with the English language. Our English language, both Bibles, and I'll explain that. This is many in regards to scripture. The gospel accounts use the word naos and the ones that are being used to warn of something that's going to go in the temple. Don't you know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you? Who is the temple for the spirit of the living God today? We are. And you can build and there's doctrines that there's going to be this temple built on the temple mount. You can build a thousand temples if you want. All over the land of Jerusalem, around the land of Israel right now. And I am telling you only one thing makes what the Holy of Holy is inside that temple holy. And guess what it is? The spirit of the living God. And you can build whatever you want. But unless he comes down and sanctifies that and makes it the Holy of Holies, guess what it is not? Because he's come down and sanctified us and has made us the Holy of Holies. So what are we doing entertaining this stuff? We're looking for temples to be built. We're looking for seven-year peace treaties and agreements to start and everything else. But what happens if it starts creeping up on us? And all of a sudden, bang, no temple built. No seven-year thing. We've hit the Great Tribulation. Do you know what the Bible warns that in this time there will be a great falling away with the body of Christ? Maybe because a lot of people have entertained things that they shouldn't have. 
And like I say, even if they did decide to build the darn temple, it doesn't make it the Holy of Holies. So you can play whatever games they want. But this is what Scripture says. I don't need to make up the fables. Here's where it gets even more interesting. And from the time the daily, and you'll see in your scriptures, I'm taking it from the King James here because at least they're honest, the word sacrifice was added in. Why would you do that? Fits your doctrine quite well if you've got to build third temples. I tell you, the last and final temple that will be built, the third temple, we're going to talk about it next week. And guess who's overseeing the construction of himself personally? Shall be taken away, and the abomination that make desolate, uh, desolate set up, and there shall be 1,290 days. So we've got a little 30-day period that's being added on here. Can't get into that today. But here's what's interesting. Who added that and why? It's actually added into here. Well, we're going to take a look at what the word abomination means. Shakot. Detestable thing or idol. Abominable thing, abomination, idol, detested thing. Okay, we can all get that. Here's the word desolate. Shaman or shamam. Look at this one. Would you get this from it? To be desolate, to be appalled, to be stunned, to be stupefied. Awestruck. Causing horror to devastate, ravage, make desolate, show horror. Be astounded to cause what? One self-desolation and cause one self-ruin. There's a great falling away coming. I tell you, if an event that involved so-called aliens truly occurred and this was no longer conjecture on the face of the earth, do you know how many people could be possibly in their hearts, the Holy of Holies, be made desolate because the answer to God has arrived? It's called panspermia. And it can fit into everything. So the only question is, is that if God did it through aliens and life evolved elsewhere, whatever it is, you're going to become insane because you still believe in that antiquated belief where there was a Savior who spilt his blood, who gave you the gift of life and grace that you may know him. That's antiquated now. What would this thing come? If this is going across the world, what are you going to start to seem like? You're going to seem... Pretty foolish in the eyes of many people, because guess what? You ever seen to say, if I can see, I'll believe? What if Satan was being forced to play the game? Oh, you'll see, all right, and you will believe. This is why I say to look a bit deeper. I did not know only till recently that the very Hebrew itself is indicating that whatever is coming is going to put people in awe. And the word desolate just doesn't cut it. And the king shall be according to his will. He shall exalt himself, magnify himself above every god, and shall speak marvelous things against the god of gods. He shall prosper till the indignation, the accomplished, for that is determined, shall be done. Neither shall he regard the god of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any god, for he shall magnify himself above what? All. How are you going to do that? Hey, look, as crafty as certain politicians are, that's a pretty tough one to pull off. <laughs> On a global scale. We are talking about something so good, it could deceive the bride. Then if anyone said to you, look here, here's the Christ. There he is. Do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise. Perform great signs and wonders as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Here we go. I think that's a statement of technology built in there. Believe me, if it takes CNN and Fox News and local television or whatever else it is to tell you that the Messiah has arrived, it is not him. 
It is not. If a television screen is telling you that Jesus has showed up, believe it not. Because I'll tell you what, when the King of Kings arrives, there's some interesting scripture that tells you very clearly, you're not going to need CNN for that one. (laughs) Amen? (laughs) So we don't have to get fooled by any of this. If it goes to this level, here's the thing, after 25 years, I don't know of anything else that can. If you can think of something and come up with something, great, bring it tonight. I actually don't know of anything else. And yet there seems to be, by the God of this world, such an effort to get people to buy into this alien thing. It's not even funny. And why the rush? I have told you before, and see that you not look that he is in the wilderness. Do not go out. If they say, look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it. Remember the marriage covenant? Be written on our hearts. This is what it's going to do. When this thing shows up, he shall seduce with flattery. Now we're in Daniel speaking about this anti or false Messiah. He shall seduce with flattery. Those who will what? Violate the covenant. Whoa. But the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. Guess who's looking after them during that time? Do you want to be a vessel that God can use at that time? Because if you are, guess what he delivers you through? Do we have to fear this? No. And thou shalt have no other gods before me, and thou shalt not make any graven image or likeness thereof in the heaven and above and in the earth beneath and the water underneath the earth. We're going to finish up with this. Please hold on. This is what I believe that the Holy Spirit has revealed to me, and this was in the depth of pain, which I cannot even share here today. But I'm going to show you something, and I want you to think and take this to him yourself, okay? I cannot know for sure what I'm about to show you is actually how it will play out. But I know of nothing else that could fool you or me. And that God would even warn of such a thing. Do you want to see this? The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all powers and false signs and wonder, with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as what? All right, so this is going to look like a good guy. It's going to fool the world. How do you think Lucifer might disguise himself for this grand illusion? Any takers? Are the little green men going to fool you? They could maybe prove alien life. But I don't know about you, but I'm certainly not bound down to a little three-foot skinny gray guy. Although interesting suit for modern-day Nephilims. Poor fellows, they used to be giants. Now they got to wear these things. I just reiterate that scripture again. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and sin. I have drawn you from disgrace from the mount of God. I expelled you, O guardian cherub, from among the firing stones. Your heart became proud on the account of your what? Beauty. And you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So you throw yourself to the earth. Show yourself to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. This is what's coming. Ezekiel is prophesying an event in the future. Right, his future at the time. He's going to be made a spectacle before kings. Who are the kings? 
with the priests. These are the promises to the bride. Here's what we've been given is the image of Messiah. It's about 500 years old. This is the traditional version that sits within Christianity and all the other major religions. He's white skinned. He has long blonde hair, blue eyes, handsome, trim beard and smooth face. That's about 500 years old. Yes, it did come through Catholicism. There were some things going on there, but that Catholicism popularized it to the world. Statues have been made in it. People have this picture hanging on their, in their rooms of their houses all over the world. The most famous image in the world, I can tell you right now, is an image that we would call Jesus. The most famous recognized image on the face of the earth. And that's what it looks like. If we're to be honest with Scripture, we're not to make any graven images, so we're already violating our covenant just by entertaining such a picture. We are told not to do that, and there might be a very good reason for it. But here's what you can get from Scripture. We can know his skin is brown olive skin. We certainly can even know that culturally, the Hebrew culture. Short brown hair. Eyes brown. Bible says actually he wasn't handsome. Not a trimmed beard, an interesting, a scarred face. I'm going to show you something here. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide by my face from disgrace and spitting. Do you know what they did to him before they nailed him to that cross? They ripped the beard off his face. And this ain't some little Johnny Depp beard. This is the real deal. Do you know that on the road to Emmaus, they didn't even what? Recognize him. He was not recognizable. Believe me, it wasn't because he was glowing, because that would have freaked them out. <laughs> They're sitting there walking with him. They don't even know. Have you ever seen somebody who's been badly scarred or burnt? Remember what Thomas said? Is this you? He doesn't know what's going on. He's making him touch. The wounds that he somehow he could be in this immortal state. In fact, he's not playing parlor tricks. He didn't even use the door, did he? These guys are about to find out something quite interesting. But one thing we know for sure, the scripture tells us they will look upon the one whom they have pierced. They will see him as he is. This is an interesting concept of beauty. Let's just take a look at what scripture is. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing is appearance that we should desire him. There's one of your prophecies for the coming Messiah. Man looked at the outward appearance, but the Lord looked at what? Where's the beauty to, to our creator? See, we think it's special doing this. Look at him, Peter here. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, but such braided hair and wearing of gold jewelry, fine clothes. Instead, it should be that your inner self and unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in the sight of God. Now, this isn't the disciples trying to say you can't make yourself look nice. What it's saying is that that's replacing what the transformation of what should be going on inside. Now we've got a problem. So this is what Scripture's saying. There's your Buddhist Jesus. By the way, that's true. That's the image that they look at. Does it look familiar? There's Hindu Jesus. This is in these major world religions. There's New Age Jesus. 
There's the Islamic Jesus. By the way, a major focal point of Islamic eschatology is the coming of Jesus. There's our Catholic Jesus. And there's our Orthodox, Evangelical, and by the way, Atheist Jesus. You show that picture to most atheists, what are they, who are they going to say it is? We've just covered the globe. You're not allowed in Islam to make a picture of Muhammad, but you are of Jesus. These are not the image of your Messiah, King and Groom. We are indeed instructed not to have it. It's 500 years old. It was given to you by something called Mystery Babylon. She has infected every religion on the face of the earth. That is not what the scripture says. How did this happen? Is that disturbing to anybody in here? Is it sort of, what's going on? Do we just disregard what's in the covenant itself and the commandments itself? Do we disregard the descriptions that we know of in scripture and accept this? If something showed up that looked like this and came in the name of Jesus, what would happen to the majority of so-called professing Christians on the face of the earth? Oh, okay, we sort of got it right. Okay, he's got the whole spaceship thing happening, but it looks like him. And he's using the right name. I can't prove to you what I've just shown you, but there's a lot of effort that has gone by Mystery Babylon into creating a single image. There's a lot of effort in the God of this world getting into get you to believe in alien life. And I know there's a scripture that is promising an event is going to happen that will start a great tribulation that is going to thrust something away from the current heavens that it has access to into this earth. And the warning is he knows his time is short and the wrath of Satan will start to occur on the face of the earth. And I also know that we have a God that will protect us for those who will stand in spirit and truth as we walk through and not fear what is going down. Because this is going to freak a lot of people out whether they have the spirit of God or not. We know this. I'm going to end here. Out of all of this, do not be fooled. Whether I'm right or wrong on this, okay, you go and do your homework. We know this. The scripture tells us this. The last one to arrive is our groom. He's told us what to look for for his arrival. And guess what it says? As lightning comes from the east and shines under the west, guess what? The whole sky. Do you think you're going to need the television cameras for this? And what? A few knees will bow. Every knee shall bow. What? Every knee shall bow. Here we go again. And, the, and, and what's getting ready? His wife, the marriage of the Lamb. Look, whatever is going to happen, know this. When he shows up, it's ball game over. Okay? And if any weirdness is going to go down that's going to freak people out, don't buy it. 
Know that your faith is on absolute solid ground. Know the scriptures. Know the hope that's within you. Let the Spirit of God rise up in you. Let it take comfort, perfect love will cast out all fear. Believe me, if this starts to go down, if anything close to what I just presented to you actually occurs, believe me, there will be something inside you called the Spirit of God that will rise up and serve Him in the end times. Okay, it will happen. The disciples didn't even love their lives unto death. And yet between the crucifixion and the resurrection, half of them went back to their jobs. It's okay. We're kind of working this out. But something's marching along. And I don't know how close we are. But let's not get into false state setting. Let's not get into weirdness. Don't worry. The aliens are, are a cheap disguise. All that sort of a thing. Okay? But know this. When he shows up, that's it. And we're told the appointed times and we're to understand it. So let's not live in fear of this. I know some of this is disturbing. Tonight, if you have questions uh, in the Q&A, come and ask them. You have a right to look at this, okay? But what I didn't want to do was to step away from Scripture in order to show you it, okay? This is the last of this stuff. We're going to look at the millennium next week. We're going to celebrate what he's actually doing. I've had enough of dealing with just two of the bad guys. How about you? Okay, thanks very much.